0: You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation, and welcome to Locked on Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday, lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting the show from the jump, That family, and welcome into another Victory Monday episode here at Locked on Saints. We'll do a quick recap of the game to open up the show, what happened, how, the Saints pulled off this big win and everything that you need to know about it. Then we'll break down Teddy Bridgewater's performance. Was his two touchdown day enough for you to feel comfortable moving forward? We'll discuss both sides of the coin, but ultimately I'm going to tell you why you should be feeling positive about moving ahead without Drew Brees these next few weeks. And then finally, we're going to wrap up the show with two simple questions. Is the model for winning Sunday's game replicable moving forward? And how many more wins can the Saints realistically get over the next five weeks? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The Saints get out of Seattle with a very unexpected W. They win 33 to 27 and the score indicates this game to be much closer than it actually was with a couple of late scores by Seattle. But the Saints were actually in the lead 27-7 at the top of the fourth quarter and then added yet another score later on in the game after Russell Wilson had a quick two-yard run. They kept that deficit to 33-14 and then the Seahawks scored two touchdowns in the last three minutes of the game. At that point, the Saints defense had changed up to have as many yards as you want, score as many points as you want, as long as we can help you chew the clock. And then also in that last drive, you <laughs> The defense actually played well. They actually intercepted the ball twice, but then penalties ended up keeping that drive alive and then they scored a touchdown. The Seahawks hit on an untimed down, which at that point, just score the touchdown, get out of the way, get out of the game and then just take your W back to New Orleans. So the Saints get the win there, 27 to 33. While Teddy Bridgewater didn't exactly light up the stats in terms of yards, only 177 yards, he still played very efficiently with a 70.4 completion percentage, 19 of 27 over the game. Which with two touchdowns and no interceptions. This is something that Teddy Bridgewater has done pretty well all throughout his career as a starting quarterback is that he protects the ball. He doesn't make dumb decisions. He doesn't put your defense in a situation to where it has to make up for a mistake that was made over on the offensive side. When it comes to quarterbacks during this game, though, you might be a little surprised to hear that Taysom Hill only saw the field on offense four times in this game, only two times under center. So not a lot of that two quarterback system stuff that we were touting all throughout the week But I think that was the whole I mean, that was a good part of the plan for Sean Payton was to be able to keep the Seattle Seahawks defensive planning off balance. We spent the entire week talking about two quarterback systems, what Sean Payton can do, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, Alvin Kamara rips off over 150 all-purpose yards and a pair of touchdowns on 25 touches. So really, when you look at what the game plan was for this week, it had nothing to do with two quarterbacks in the system. Although Sean Payton was smart to reserve himself the sort of wiggle room to be able to do that if he felt necessary. But the entire game plan for this week was get your get the ball in the hands of your players playmakers and let them make plays. And that's exactly what Alvin Kamara did. You got nine receptions out of him for 92 yards and then 16 carries for 69, two touchdowns, one each in the passing and the run game. I mean, you got everything that you needed out of this guy who really just sort of struck lightning during this game and was impossible to take down. You could not take him down with the first man. Seattle had such a tough time dealing with him. There was one point where he actually hid behind his offensive line and it was able to split out wide to the left and beat Bobby Wagner around a corner and Bobby Wagner wasn't even able to tackle him so just really played out of his mind during this game when you look at the screen pass that he took to the house there was no reason there's no reality except for this one apparently in which Michael Kendricks does not knock him out of bounds. There's no reality in which that happens, but yet somehow or another, Alvin Kamara is able to tiptoe down and then literally walk into the end zone and signal his own touchdown before the referee was even able to do it. He was incredible throughout this game. And then when you look at what really set the tone early on in the game, the Deontay Harris touchdown, Deontay Harris lines up for his first punt return of the game and then houses it for 59 yards. And from that point forward, there was not a single point in this game to where even I felt like the Saints were going to lose this. This felt like a win from that moment, even after uh, Tyler Lockett's touchdown to tie the game up 7-7. The defense then went on a tear. They didn't allow another score until the fourth quarter. They get the fumble return for the touchdown. Eli Apple makes a great play to strip the ball. Von Bell picks it up, returns it. That puts them up 13-7. And then after that, they just kind of left Seattle in the dust. The Saints defense then went on to force three more turnovers on downs, which is just absolutely insane, and put a ton of pressure on Russell Wilson and made him uncomfortable. That was a big part of what we talked about as one of the big keys is finding a way to make him uncomfortable, even though this is his game. The Saints didn't get any sacks in this game, but it didn't matter. Those those pressures, but Marcus Davenport had 11 pressures, but no, I'm sorry, Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan had 11 pressures by himself. Marcus Davenport added another 8 in that game. They were playing out of their minds the defensive line. And so they were able to do what they needed to do to keep this game manageable and to keep Seattle from feeling comfortable enough to score touchdowns. You're going to get big plays uh, made on you from Seattle because of the fact that Russell Wilson can scramble, extend plays, their their wide receivers know what to do in those situations. They have great chemistry for all of that, how to bust free when those plays break down. We've talked about that. We know all about that being a part of their game plan. But what the Saints were able to do to this team and the fact they were able to walk out with a win in this game. I haven't even talked about Demario Davis's pre-game speech and what he was able to do during the game. The fact that they were able to do this, this was a whole entire team win. This was the first time that the Saints organization had scored in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams since 1998. This was an example of a team rallying around their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, and in finding a way to get a win in Seattle. This is huge for the Saints. I've been saying they needed one win while Teddy Br- I'm sorry, while Drew Brees was out and They've done it, now everything after this is gravy. So now that the Saints are already set up in prime position to be in playoff contention and conversation when Drew Brees returns, they're set up now to where Drew Brees can come back, win eight games, and they go 10 and six, no matter what happens over the course of these next five games. So the next big question is, beyond this year and over the course of the next five games, how comfortable should we feel moving ahead with Teddy Bridgewater? So we're gonna take a good look at Teddy Bridgewater's performance, break that down a little bit. But real quick, what if I told you it takes just a moment to make a memory that will last a lifetime, then all you need to do is check out the Vivid Seats app, and they're going to help you find your favorite live event and help you get there. Enter the promo code KICKOFF, K-I-C-K-O-F-F, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So now the Saints have captured this big win up in Seattle. They're heading back home. They are hosting the Dallas Cowboys at home in the Dome next Sunday night. Primetime football. This is going to be a little bit of a revenge game. Going to have a little bit of a revenge tick to it. So maybe you want to be present for that. I'm going to tell you the best way to do it is with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats app, which now includes the Vivid Seats reward loyalty program. Now with the Vivid Seats app, when you purchase a ticket to the Saints game on Sunday, you're going to earn credit that you can use later toward any other live event that Vivid Seats has to offer for you, and they've got tons. Live events such as live music, live concerts, sporting events, theater, anything that you need, they've got you covered right through the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. So head to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats reward loyalty program, and you're going to enjoy credits from all of your purchases as a Vivid Seats reward member. And don't forget all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. And make sure you enter the promo code KICKOFF, K-I-C-K-O-F-F at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 off. All right, Huda Nation. So up next on the docket for today, we want to take a look at Teddy Bridgewater's performance against the Seattle Seahawks. So he gets the win, but was his individual play enough for Saints fans to feel comfortable about the idea of what Teddy Bridgewater can be to this team moving forward after the Drew Brees era is complete? Now, trying to extrapolate that over just one single game of action with an actual game plan uh, is a little tough. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to get all of our answers here, but we can start to take a look at some of these traits and what Teddy Bridgewater does well and what he doesn't do well and imagine how it might fit in a Sean Payton system. So when we look at what the game plan was for this Seattle game, it was clear and obvious that the idea was to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara made good on every single one of his touches. You had five more catches by Michael Thomas. He actually didn't even get his first catch until I think there was a minute and 52 left in the first quarter. So it took him a while uh, before he actually got involved in the offense. But we kind of Expected that he did get a touchdown on a beautifully executed shield slant. So you did see him get there, but really this game kind of came down to what Alvin Kamara can do for your team. But can you continue to run Alvin Kamara and give him all of those touches? Now, the Saints are undefeated when they allow more than 20 touches for Alvin Kamara. We saw that yesterday he had 25, but we want to focus a little bit more on Teddy Bridgewater here and what he can do with this team. So let's break down his performance just a bit and see what we might be able to learn. I'm gonna tell you why it is that you should feel comfortable moving ahead with Teddy Bridgewater, but we'll talk about what some of the reservations might be as well. So when you look at what his stats were, just looking sort of at the box score here, 19 completions off of 27 targets, 70.4 completion percentage. It's a very good completion percentage. You also factor in one drop in this game as well, and then you add in a couple of throwaways. Pro Football Focus has his adjusted completion percentage up at 76.9. So he's very efficient with the ball, He made a lot of really good choices during this game in Seattle, and he also had really good ball placement. We saw him place a ball on the outside hip of Jared Cook, perfectly to keep it away from the defender and Jared Cook just straight up dropped it. We'll talk a little bit more about Jared Cook throughout the week. I'm going to let you know not to give up on him yet either and give give these guys some time here. Uh, but now let's look at uh, what Teddy Bridgewater produced in terms of yardage. 177 yards. He's not blowing the roof off there or anything like that, but 6.6 yards per attempt is much better than the preseason average that we saw, which was around 4.8. It was less than 5 yards per attempt for most of his games there. So this is good to see him picking up some more yardage per attempt uh, and to see him excel in that and be able to move the ball down the field. Ah, I wouldn't say excel 6.6 yards per attempt isn't great but it's better than what we've seen which were the concerning numbers early on in the preseason. Two touchdowns on this game one of which to Michael Thomas one of which to Alvin Kamara on a screen pass. We saw the Michael Thomas touchdown come on a shield slant that was really well executed that I mentioned earlier but also great timing by Teddy Bridgewater and Michael Thomas. That's all about reps and practice practice and that's all about getting the timing down and they did that perfectly that was a zero step zero step drop put it in the right place and then let the rest of the the offense do what they need to do to get that ball into the end zone so you saw that happen a lot to where it was a lot of uh, Teddy Bridgewater just putting the ball where it needed to be and then letting the offense do the work and that's what you want that's what a game manager does so let's talk a little bit about what the concerns might be when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater running this offense so a lot of the concerns that you're going to hear are things about him not throwing the ball more than 20 yards down the field, or really, in this instance, he didn't really throw the ball. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that more than 20 yards down the field. He was two for four. So it was 50% completion percentage when he did throw the ball beyond 10 yards and between 10 and 20, but he never went beyond 20 yards. And so when you look at that, maybe that causes some concern in terms of not being able to pick up the big chunk plays and things like that. But what we saw in yesterday's game is that the chunk plays can start at the line of scrimmage for the Saints. This has always been the case in New Orleans, that those chunk plays start sometimes behind the line line of scrimmage, i.e. those screen passes and things like that. So we've seen this type of offense work without a quarterback throwing the ball more than 20 yards down the field. Drew Brees takes a couple of those attempts per game, but that's really about it. I think that we'll start to see Teddy Bridgewater get more comfortable and thus Sean Payton get more comfortable and allowing him to take those shots moving into next week. Even if they don't necessarily work against Dallas, you're going to see Teddy Bridgewater take on defenses that are far worse than what Dallas is going to be bringing to the Superdome next week. One of the big hits on Teddy coming in this game was how long he held on to the ball. And I'll be honest, I've only really charted the first two quarters here, the first half. But when you look at this, a majority of his passes in this game came out before three seconds a big a big portion of them came out before two and a half seconds so when you look at what he did and what the game plan was and the way that sean payton uh, built this around him it was a lot of quick passes things to get him into a rhythm we really saw him sort of sink into that that last drive in the first half as they were you know as they were turning down the field before the screen pass so there it was for everyone to see if you let teddy bridgewater get into a rhythm he can be surgical the big chunk plays don't always Always win you the game. Look at the amount of chunk plays that Seattle had versus the amount of chunk plays that New Orleans had. Who won that game? who gets the W, right? A big portion of what Teddy Bridgewater did very well, even though he wasn't necessarily pushing the ball down the field, was extending plays. We saw him use his legs a few times. Would like to see that a little bit more just in terms of getting outside the pocket. And I'm not saying he has to scramble and turn into a running back or anything like that, but just extending those plays, getting outside the pocket. We saw him run a couple of bootlegs designed as well that were helpful for him. But when you see him do that, what he did very well is that he continued to extend drives. He continued to keep the offense on the field long enough for the defense to get some rest and We saw the defense be the beneficiary of that, even though, again, they let up some points near the end of the game in the last three minutes. But that wasn't, you know, the intent wasn't to try to stop them or try to take the ball away. The intent was let them burn as much of the clock as they're willing to burn as they try to catch up in this three score game. And the last positive point that I'll make about Teddy Bridgewater's play, and one of the big reasons why I think you should feel comfortable moving forward with Teddy Bridgewater, whether it be through these next five games or potentially beyond, depending on what happens with Drew Brees after the season, is just his ability to be absolutely unflappable and to stay calm. Look, before the Saints had their second first down, their offensive line already had four procedure penalties. And we talked about that. We said to expect those, right? We knew those were going to come. They're in a hostile environment. They're in an unfriendly environment. They're playing against a good defense. And there's a lot of communication that had to be changed going into this week and a lot of things that had to be altered. So we talked about that. Expect some false starts, expect some holding penalties, expect some delay of games, those types of things, those types of procedural penalties that are going to happen because of a lack of communication. Despite the game starting off with a ton of those, he was still able to find his way to get into a rhythm and continue to command the offense. That's leadership. That is leadership, leadership, leadership. And that is a big, big, big portion to why in terms of why I feel comfortable moving forward with Teddy Bridgewater at this time. And just working off of that calm and cool nature point, he was five for five, 100%, 65 yards, and a touchdown with a perfect passer rating when blitzed. So you can already see that he is doing a great job reading defenses, understanding where the pressure is coming from and where to go with the ball from there. That's exactly what you want to see from your starting quarterback. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to ask a couple of team questions here. I told you why you should feel pretty comfortable with Teddy Bridgewater at this moment. Let's talk a little bit about the team. Is this model for winning actually replicable? And how many games can the Saints realistically win moving forward without Drew breeze over these next five weeks? But first, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's bluechew.com. That's That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance the performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, And since Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, family, let's wrap up today's show. Take a look at the team. This was a big-time team win. The first time since 1998 the Saints scored a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams. But when you look at that and you look at this score, 33-27, Is this actually a replicable model for more wins throughout this next five weeks without Drew Brees? Well, eh, it kind of goes either way, right? You can't rely on your special teams and your defense to score points for you every single game. That's just not gonna work out for you and that's not gonna go well. However, when you look at what the defense did, holding Seattle to seven points in their own house, despite the fact they have one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL and a great talented wide receiver group, taking advantage of opportune moments, you're taking advantage of all the opportunity that they did get, right? Forcing three turnovers on downs, forcing the the fumble that did end up going back for a touchdown, but even just creating that turnover would have been a plus move for that Saints defense, right? So even if that doesn't go back for a touchdown, that's still a good move for the defense. So as long as the defense can continue to at least force the turnovers, right? I mean, when you look at this, that's four turnovers that this defense forced. It's not going to go down that way because three of them were on downs, but that's still four turnovers that the Saints defense forced. And that's the kind of play that you need from your defense, especially in an away environment and a harsh environment like Seattle on top of that, that's the type of play that you need from them. So is that maintainable? Is this model for success something that they can do over the next five weeks? Not exactly, right? You're not going to get the touchdowns from your defense every week. You're not going to get the touchdowns from your special teams every week. Although Deontay Harris is already one of the top five best Return men that we have seen in New Orleans in the history of Sean Payton's era, right? We can always go back to guys like Darren Sproles, Michael, uh, Michael Lewis, so on and so forth. But when you look at what Deontay Harris has already done starting off these first three games, he's been incredible. And so when you have that type of a weapon. That's going to put you in scoring position, right? That might not always get you a touchdown on a punt return or on a kick return, but he's going to help make the field a little bit shorter and a little bit more manageable for guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, whoever's in, right? Because the Saints still do have the option to introduce Taysom Hill more into these other games. Maybe they do it at home against the Cowboys. They know what Taysom Hill does to the home crowd. So do you get him a little bit more involved during that game? There are so many wrinkles that remain for this team that while the exact Model that the Saints ended up presenting on Sunday against Seattle isn't maintainable and isn't really replicable because of the, the, the scores coming from your non-offensive phases of the game. There's still a lot in there that you're going to be able to take away from and be able to create, right? So even if your special teams isn't scoring touchdowns, they can put you in good position. Even if your defense isn't scoring touchdowns and putting points on the board, they can take points away. They can get you the ball back and give you the opportunity on the offensive side to create more points. Alvin Kamara is going to continue to play at a high level throughout this season. Michael Thomas is going to continue to play at a high level this season. I wouldn't mind seeing Teddy Bridgewater spread the ball out a little bit more, but I simply just don't think that that was in the game plan for them during this game, during the game against Seattle. I think you'll see that more moving forward. And if he's able to do that and add that part to this game, then the Saints can win a few more games over this next five-game stretch. So what is realistic here? What is realistic? Are the Saints going to go 6-0 and without Drew Brees? Highly unlikely. However, equally unlikely is the game against Seattle being their only win over the six-game stretch. I think the Saints can easily walk away three of three over the six-game stretch. That That's this win, that's a win against Tampa Bay, and that's a win against Arizona, all three of those games at home. Those are all very important games for the Saints in terms of just setting themselves up for success when Drew Brees returns, because Drew Brees returns after the bye week and it has eight easier games, he has the, the the second half, the easier half of the schedule when he returns with a arm with a hand that might be stronger than what he had before he uh, before the UCL tendon injury. So with that being the case, I don't mind seeing the Saints drop a couple of games here and there. If they drop this game against Dallas, it's far from the end of the world because they have very winnable games ahead of them. You can even consider the game against Chicago winnable if the offense can get clicking against that defense because Chicago presents you with one of the worst offenses in the NFL right now against a defense that seems to be in New Orleans already catching its rhythm. And I mentioned that they probably won't catch it until week six at the Bears. However, they're starting to really put it together even earlier at this point. So if they can get rolling with their week eight turnaround by week four, that's an outstanding opportunity for them. And don't forget that Sheldon Rankins comes back within these next couple of weeks as well, or is expected to return within these next couple of weeks. And that's going to be a huge, benefit for their defense as well which is going to continue to help them play their way into games so what's a realistic number for me in terms of how many games the saints can win while drew Brees is gone i'll say three but really sky's the limit at the moment because with sean payton being your play caller it's kind of a Kevin Garnett situation where anything is possible, right? We we don't know what Sean Payton's going to roll out over these next five weeks. Is it going to be the same as what we saw in Seattle? Is it going to be different? I wager different. We don't know what we're going to see, but what we do know is that they're going to play their hearts out because again, one of the big keys that I mentioned for this team in terms of winning that game in Seattle outside of time of possession, things that we did see them do, get Teddy Bridgewater in a rhythm, things like that, was not being dejected, not coming in with a defeatist mentality. And that's exactly what the Saints have avoided, that defeatist mentality, since the night that Drew Brees was hurt, since before his surgery was scheduled, when they all went out to dinner and Teddy Bridgewater took the offense out to dinner and said, let's do this. They did not come at this with a defensive, with a defeatist mentality, feeling like they were already beat up. They're ready to go out there and beat somebody else up. And they did a great job of it in Seattle on Sunday, and they might be in line to do it a couple more times over these next few weeks, even without Drew Brees. Oh, and speaking of avoiding a defeatist mentality, shout out to you, the fan, who also didn't do that, that didn't come into this game with a defeatist mentality. Everyone loved the doubt. Everyone loved as as you know, experts were picking against them. I even picked against them, even though I did when Drew Brees was even involved. But just that defeatist mentality wasn't even present amongst the fan base. Maybe people were a little concerned, a little worried, but of course, that's you're going to be concerned. You're going to be worried when you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback. But you know, you look at the number of Saints fans that were out there in Seattle. Look at the Houdet chants that were going on. Look at them taking over a stadium. Not I won't say taking over. Let me not exaggerate. But look at them having a presence at a stadium that is notoriously one of the better home field advantage uh, stadiums in the NFL. So shout out to you as well, the fan, for not showing that defeatist mentality and cheering on the guys and being loyal, right? Being loyal, being a loyal fan base. I uh, always talk about how this team and city have a connection unlike any other. This is yet another opportunity to prove that, especially as the Saints come home to host the Dallas Cowboys, who we all know that Saints fans don't like. So this is an opportunity for you to continue to prove that and just kind of continue to build on the success that the Saints fans have created since losing Drew Brees just one week ago. All right, family, that is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Saints, this victory Monday. Thank you so much for being here and for hanging out throughout the rest the week we're going to just continue to break this down on Wednesday we have our crossover Wednesday episode with the locked on Cowboys guys they're going to come through we're going to preview that game Karen Loftus is going to come back help us review this last game got a lot going on this week and you definitely won't want to miss it so if this is your first time listening to the show make sure to subscribe share this out too so that more Saints fans have somewhere to go where you can continue to get some positivity in your life while Drew Brees is on the sideline but that's going to do it for today everybody thank you so much as always for coming through once Again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Make sure to rate and review. Drop those five star ratings and reviews. I appreciate all of your help and all of your support. And thank you for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked On Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.